0: Hey, everyone. We're live moms in real estate. I'm Angela Fazio, and I have an amazing guest with me, Tina Call. Um, she has been in real estate for 20 years, and in the last 10 years, you've been in North Carolina, right? Yep. yep. We moved her 10 years ago. 10 years ago to North Carolina. I've got a lot of family in North Carolina. <laughs> I was going to tell you yesterday, I talked to Tina yesterday when we were trying to get organized for everything. And I have uncles in North Carolina in King Tobaccoville that I don't even understand what he's talking about. I know he says something
1: about a bucket. I got that, <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. It's hard, you know, that was my challenge moving down here. I'm like, oh, the accents, you know, cause you don't want to be rude and be like, what? Can you say that again? You know,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I have a lot to say. I lived there for four
0: years and I walked out of that state with a thick accent moved to Illinois got very made fun of for about a minute before I lost that accent <laughs> that's what, that's what I lost
1: about a week <laughs> Probably where we are in the Raleigh carry area everybody's from somewhere else so it's yeah. it's in, in fact carry Cary they call it the containment area for relocated Yankees if you can believe that so <laughs> we have you know we don't really have thick
0: accents here which is mm-hmm. nice You don't. And my mom lived in Cary for many years. She now lives in Jamestown. She still doesn't have an accent. Thank the Lord. She's moving out here. We're going to save her from that. (laughs) So she doesn't get it. So um, we have not done a Moms in Real Estate episode in about I don't know, maybe almost a year. Wow. Um, nope, no, that's not true. A little less than a year. And I'm excited to pick it back up. Um, to give some of you guys a background on why we do this show is we are really passionate about educating and encouraging and empowering women. Uh, the, the women, most of the women that I have on this show are passionate about many things work for sure. And um, that's why I love it. I love to talk about um, your viewpoints and um, your experiences and what you do to stay fired up as a woman.
1: Um, so let's
0: start talking. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Yeah. So um, so I'm 41 now. I started real estate 20 years ago. So I was 21. Um, I really didn't have another career. I was a waitress a hostess a college student you know worked at a you know just restaurants basically um so real estate thankfully for me was my first real career and um, very rare by the way yeah yeah so I was in college didn't really know my direction I knew I wasn't going to be some academic scholar you know I wasn't going to be a brain surgeon I just was kind of lost and so my real estate agent at the time I've been with my husband since I was 16 um still with him today and so we were buying our first home And my real estate agent, Jill Bomarito at the time, um, basically said, you'd be great at this. You should try it. She hounded me for six months. Um, They paid for my license and the rest was history. I dropped out of college. Um, I sold like 25 homes my first year and, um, and yeah, and just kept, kept going in that trajectory. And then, um, so that was 2001, 9-11 was my first day in real estate, if you could believe that too. Um, So I, you know, the market kind of crashed. It was a crazy time to be in real estate. Um, 2006 hit, I lost half my income. So I was making at the time, which I thought was amazing because we came from a poor family. I was making about 125,000. Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. Right, which was great as a realtor. And I was, you know, making more than anyone in my family and the market crashed and I went down to 40 grand. And so it wasn't fun anymore. I was, you know, I was losing, we had bought a bigger home. We had, were spending more than we probably should have and didn't learn that lesson then. And so I was leaving real estate and thank God, I bumped into one of the local superstars, Bellino Bide, at the time. And here she was in her sixties and she was gonna make a million dollars that year. And so I just said to her like, what are you doing differently? And she said, um, she was very like abrupt, you know, she's a Tina call. If you wanna be successful in this business, you have to surround yourself with big thinkers. You have to read ton of real estate books. You have to get yourself a coach. And, you know, she gave me those four things. And I thought, my gosh, I don't have the money to hire a coach right now. So, long and short of it, you know, I prayed and prayed and prayed about it. And I went to the office to clean it out. And I opened up my file drawer and I was cleaning it all out. And it said, make a million dollars selling real estate, hire this coaching company. And I'm like, and it said $2,000 a month. So, what do I do? Crumple it up, throw it away. (laughs) I'm trying to make my mortgage payment. And so the next day, I'm, again cleaning out my office I am leaving real estate and I get an email it says join us at this action workshop learn how to make a million dollars so I grab my broker at the time because we were all you know broker than we should have been and three of the agents in the office and we go to this action workshop and there was like this room of people and at the front, there were these agents that were part of the organization and they all stood up and you know, my name is Jeff Glover, who's huge in the business now. Um, you know, I used to sell furniture and now I'm making $400,000 a year and I'm still surviving this crash. And I'm like, man. And then another gal, uh, Michelle Sayward, stands up who were really great friends uh, today. And she says she's making 250. I'm like, how are these agents doing it? Well, it must be the coaching. So then Mm -hmm. who do I bump into again? It's Bellino by and I'm like, Ah, oh, cause she never told me who the coach was, but then I figured it out. I'm like, if you're coaching with them and you're making a million, I'm signing up. So I signed up for coaching immediately. Now I put it on my credit card. We could not afford it. Mm-hmm. I went home and convinced my husband that I didn't lose my mind and he had to trust me on this. And the next year with that coach, my income went up to uh, 120,000. Um, they had taught me some key things, you know, the six core things, you know, time management, treat it like a business lead gen, um, prospecting, which is a dirty word in the industry. Nobody likes to do it, but it's the, the reality is we have to have conversations with people. And so I remember when my coach first got on the coaching call, I lied for two months. I never told him I wasn't picking up the phone because I was nervous. I would, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> I would sit at my desk getting ready to get going to begin. And I had the numbers and I would just not do it. And so mm. finally he said, when I role play with you, you're really good. So you're either lying or you're just, you know, and I said, I'm lying. I'm lying. So the next day he said two calls, like two people. I need you to talk to one for sale by owner, one expired. And I remember getting on the phone and I started reading the script to the FISBO and he answered the question. I read, read the second question. He answered it and I went, I hung up on him and I went, this shit works. <laughs> so the rest is history. It, it really gave me my confidence. It allowed me to get better and better and better. It allowed me to Create duplicatable activities that I could actually know exactly how much money I would make based on the amount of people that I talked to. Life changing, right? Life changing. Oh, life changing. And so, so from there, in 2008, um, my coach says, "What's your big, hairy, audacious goal?" I said, "To get the heck out of Michigan because I don't like the snow." Right. She said, "Fine. What's the date?" So we made a target date because you have to have a you know goal has to have a date. And um, scared the crap out of me, but we worked towards that goal to be in North Carolina by September of 2009. We had gotten there September of and, uh, or I'm sorry, July of 2009, and um, and it was surreal. You know, you're in a new market, you feel a little better because you've had a year of coaching, but you're still freaked out because you don't know how to get out of your neighborhood without GPS. And so um, I took, it took six months to kind of get acclimated and put my little crown back on and feel confident. And we sold two homes the first six month period. And then we sold 36 homes the the second six month period. And then it was 36, 52, 75. I got up to a peak of 130. Um, My wheels were falling off with one assistant, my husband and me. And then I started to add a couple buyer agents. So I added a couple agents. We went up to uh three people 170 transactions you know 1.8 million in or 1.6 million in GCI and it was it was great and so from there i was getting burned out and i said well maybe i'll start a team i'll grow this this thing and gain more leverage because i realized having buyer agents took took time off my plate or it gave me more time back right and so now i have uh, 11 agents i still am producing 100 deals a year Um, And I'm just slowly kind of diminishing that and and growing the team. Now we've had this pandemic. So who knows? I might have to stay in a little longer, but it is what it is. I love my job. I'll tell you what, I never get sick of success stories
0: because first of all, they remind me of the essential things that any successful person has. And you've mentioned them all. You have to have that drive not to to fail, right? Um, But at the same time, we're afraid we're going to fail. Because yeah, oh, yeah. Brooke and, I, Brooke and I almost got out of the business the first year. We, too, partnered up in 2001. Yeah. And um, and I'll tell you another element is that the accountability, yeah. right? The accountability yeah. and overcoming, being uncomfortable, being uncomfortable, being uncomfortable. It's never different. It's wow. never different. Oh, today, we have this pandemic, right? It's a real thing. Don't get me wrong. I get it. I get that people are in hard spots and And financial turmoil. But then, why are some agents busy as heck? Right. And other ones are paralyzed. Paralyzed, yeah. It's the same in every situation. It was, yes, it's your mindset. You can, the funny thing is, is like you were scared to make those calls. And when I teach people about prospecting, I say, Why do you think prospecting is a bad word? All it is, is it is impossible for you to talk naturally to enough people
1: to do the business you need to do. So you have to
0: know process and procedure. And that's what prospecting is. It's
1: just process and procedure. And you know, I I change my mindset. I say to myself every day, thank God the majority of realtors don't prospect. Thank God. Why? Because that gives me an opportunity to go in and dominate, right? So man, I have 9,000 realtors in my Mm mind. I'm number four, three for production just this year. So, if all nine thousand actually got on the phones and did what I did every day, I wouldn't be able to generate the income that I have and the blessings that I can give my family now because I decided to take the risk. I decided to dig for diamonds, and mm-hmm. I that I'm like, if diamonds were just all over the sidewalk and you could sweep them into a dustpan, they'd be worthless, right? Absolutely. They're worth a lot because they're rare and you have to dig for them and it takes time. And that's what that's what lead gen is to me. You're digging for diamonds every day. I look at my $10,000 commission check average and I post it in front of my computer and I go every day, if I make three appointments and cancel two and go on one, I can make $10,000 a day. Who makes that? Doctors don't. Right, <laughs> right make what I make surgeons and I'm not that smart I failed out of math class for goodness sake so it's like you know when you can take somebody with a little drive and direct them I think the missing piece is some people just don't have the want you know their their back's not against the wall maybe their spouse husband or wife makes a lot of money why am I going to go dig for anything when I'm comfortable absolutely you know one of the things that um
0: chuck and i talk about all the time is it drives me crazy when somebody says uh you know i really want fill in the blanks i want success yeah. in real estate i'm like no you, don't. you know you know you don't let me tell you how i know you don't want it you're wishing for it but you don't want it because you're not willing to do any of the things that it actually
1: takes to Correct. get what you want Yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, you look at football stars and hockey stars and people, go, oh, they make so much money. They work their ass off. That's they right. Work their ass off. You know, they're down to the second of what they can do different. And so, you know, it's like I worked tirelessly with, you know, uh, my ear pads in listening to scripts over and over. My husband go, what are you listening to again? I'm like my scripts, mm-hmm. like, I, you know, and, and my coach would say, look mm-hmm. at Brad Pitt and, and look at Tom Cruise. They get paid 20 million a film. Do they get paid 20 million a film because they suck at their job? No, and they when they show up on the set, they know their script. I mean, imagine if the Titanic, if Jim Cameron said, hey everybody, first day in the set, burn your script books, we're gonna ad-lib the story. It's right. not going to be presented the same way. And so for me, if I have an opportunity to be in front of a customer and I am seasoned and, and I know what to say and I know how to help them get to where they want and I can cut through their BS by you know navigating that, I could potentially make $10,000. Why wouldn't I take that more seriously? People wing it. I go, why would you wing it? Absolutely. You have to be so,
0: when people say they can wing it and they can wing it well, it's not because they can wing it well. It's because they've done it so often, so many times successfully that it feels
1: like you're winging it, but it's actually not true. You've actually taken the steps to master it. And and really, when you're winging it, I was winging it from 2001 to 2007, and my winging it was my script. Now, yeah. whose script is better? Somebody who's got you know a, a huge organization with thousands of agents that have made millions of dollars, or my script of winging it? And so the winging it people, mm-hmm. if they just understood that if they got more seasoned and practiced more. Um, They could take that natural winging it and turn it into gold. Yes, fantastic, right? Yeah, that that drives me crazy too. Somebody
0: says, you know, I'm just a natural. I'm just a natural at winging it. Well, can you imagine if you were like
1: natural at winging it and you put some effort in there? You'd be fantastic. And I'm a natural at winging it. So now I'm a natural at winging it and armed with, you know, more structure and more um, focus and more accountability, You know, Mm -hmm. great salespeople are typically high eye on the disk They're just all over the place. You know, they hate schedules. They're winging their life. And you know, I like things to change and be different. I'm like, oh, squirrel, what's going on over there? Um, But I would have to, you know, really dedicate that time to say, okay, two hours a day, no distractions, no squirrels. I'm going to move my business forward by doing activities that actually make me money, and it's the crappiest activity but that's the only activity that makes you money everything else is servicing everything yep Yep. i will take somebody who is willing to put
0: in the work and diligence over somebody who's just naturally talented all day long because that's the difference between excellence and just somebody who can wing it pretty
1: good right right yeah absolutely so so
0: so let's hear let's hear about um yeah, you're a hard worker. You've got work ethic. Obviously, you're personable. You put in the work. Tell me about the things that drive you to keep going. Um, what are the things that you're passionate about in your life that fuel
1: you that keep you going? Um, you know, it was always different, uh, different things. So at first, when I joined the coach coaching company, it was you know, oh, I want to make two hundred and fifty thousand. So at first, it was money, right? Because mm-hmm. you never had money growing up. So for me. <laughs> I had yard sale clothes on the first day of school. I didn't have nice things. So I always knew I wanted to just walk into a banana republic. I would say it was so funny. I want to walk (laughs) into a banana republic. Anything I want off the shelf. And now I'm like, that's like, you know, a low end compared to others. But I'm still a banana republic girl to this day. Um, But you just, you have those smaller goals. And then when you achieve those, you could either get very complacent and stay there. Right. And say, you know what? I'm making 250. Nobody in my family's making that. I'm doing really well. But when you start surrounding yourself with people that are making half a million, one million, two million, and they're just like you, except they have more time in the game, mm-hmm. then you start going, well, I want to make a million. And so, so I think I always put new goals in front of me that meant something to me. I can't pick Angela Fazio's goals and they're not going to be the same. If you want to have a jet plane and I don't, I'm not going to put I want a jet plane on my dream board, right? It won't mean anything to me. So whether it's, you know, I want to take my family on, I I would, um I always want to take my family on a two week, you know, European vacation. Well, it's going to cost you 25 grand. I mean, right. you should not be going on a trip like that unless you're making millions of dollars. And so every year, I think if you just really um, level up and think bigger, like right now, my thinking big group, we're saying, what is an idea that we could uh, create in the next three years to four years that would make us $20 million. Like it's, you know, you have to stretch the mind and and really push yourself, even though you might go, I don't know if you put the thought out there, the idea may come, but none of us ever believe that we can do more. So, um, my ops manager says this all the time. I love her to pieces. Um, you know, she had a rough childhood and when I met her, I said, what's your, what's your income goal? And she said about 175,000 is her dream goal. And I said, you're thinking so small. Mm-hmm. And she said, I was the first person in her life to ever say that to her because she's always surrounded herself with people that that was a huge, that was a big goal for them. So right. when you are with bigger thinkers, they push you to think bigger. So now her goal is a million. Why not? Why, Why not? not? Why not? not? And you know what, it's the
0: difference between wishing and wanting. So I'm a little older than you. (laughs) So one of the things that I discovered over time is uh, at first my goal was money too because I was a school teacher. You know, right. I had a double master's, making less than thirty thousand, right? Wow. And so at first it was money. I that's I wanted money. I I I had been happy poor. I wanted to know how it felt
1: to be happy, not poor. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we so- it probably for security, we want money for security, yeah. right? And that's yeah. why I wanted. To. Yeah, I actually have to fight the um, urge to. Get like three of something
0: because growing up not having, I have to fight the urge of not having like enough, like not having enough because knowing how right. that would not have enough, right? But, um, right? but over time, it's really interesting that I've discovered through prayer, through my relationship with Christ, through my great relationship with my husband, who I am so passionate about marriage. We'll get there. But um, I've learned that, yeah, there's all those things that you can measure with things and money. And, but I, Chuck and I learned a really cool lesson over time is if we don't have the whys behind it that have nothing to do with money that right. are sustainable over time, and, and if we're not really sensitive to them, we're getting complacent or yeah. we tend to be backing off a little bit and we don't ask those hard questions, why is this happening to me? what's right. you know what aren't we doing that that's keeping ourselves on fire and passionate and driving and moving forward because that's our personality we have to stop and say why so right. I know there's a lot of people right now that are paralyzed and stuck yes yeah. we need to take the time to think why am i feeling this way
1: right right absolutely i mean i i think you always have to have a bigger goal in your mind um and what is the why so most humans love especially salespeople recognition that's first and so recognition money and security I think those are the three some somewhat human needs um, when you read about it in books and so when I moved to North Carolina yeah I wanted to be number one or you know recognition but that was third on the list it was money security and recognition and my goal is to never be poor again you know I don't want to to go there but I can't say I don't want to be poor. I just have to say no. I'm abundant. I'm abundant in everything around me. Even if the market's bad, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be able to help more people instead of oh my god, the market's bad. I'm going to lose half my income. No, I'm going to be able to help more people in down times. So it's it's really shifting what we tell ourselves, um, and that's what we've gotten good at. Do I get scared and go oh my god, I could lose everything? I do sometimes. I have panic I have panic attacks about dying because i love my husband so much we have a great relationship i have a 15 year old that i just love 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 and you go my life is going so smooth something bad is bound to happen what if i die in a car crash and i would have these heart palpitations about dying um and then i got over it because you have to learn again how to get past that crazy time in in your in your world so Um, So, yeah, I think we all have the same struggles at times. I I think that we can't be afraid. I
0: play with stuff. I've been playing with this and anything like that. I think that we all have obstacles. Like, if we think that we don't have, like, I'm not afraid to die. I'd be like, Jesus, I'm ready. But I have my other things, you know, I have my other things that I go, you know. I'm 48 years old and I have a nine-year-old. It's you know those kinds
1: of things. Like yeah, I'm not going to get You know, I'm truly not afraid of dying, but it was just I'm I'm having so much fun. Life is exactly, yeah. and Life I'm not ready. ready to be done. Right? So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's and then you know people really don't um, have a path. So I love um, oh God, I'm going to forget his name now. Mm, anyway, I'll think of it. But anyway, he says like, you know, most people just let life happen to them and mm-hmm. they don't realize that they're the captain of their ship. So imagine if you get on a ship and you just go off into the ocean and you don't have direction. You're going to just the ship's going to crash into something. And so we would never get on a ship or get in our car without knowing where we were going. But why don't we ever sit down and plan out our lives? Why yeah, don't we do right? Yes. People are lazy. They,
0: it is a lot of effort to sit down and think through big things like that, but it's worth every second. That's the thing that people who who never take the time to take that effort and make that effort and take the time to, to purposefully think through something. They don't realize that on the other side is this bliss and this satisfaction.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody's ever taught us that, you know, my parents would say, oh, you'll be lucky if you get married to a nice Greek boy and you can be a wife and have, you know, sit home and cook all day. Like that was my my parents' plan for me was to sit and cook all day for a Greek man. Like that my, was it. My, the first guy who ever asked me to marry him was Greek. Right. <laughs>
0: I was like, no, I know what your family does. No, no. And,
1: and my dad is Greek. My mom's Italian. You know, they both came here in their twenties, you know, so they were, you know, both had accents. So you just go, that's, that was good for them. If I could just be taken care of their little girl. Right. And I thought I'll never have that. Then my parents divorced. My mom never had a real job other than taking care of us. So I watched her struggle. Um, I watched my dad have failed businesses over and over and over again, but that taught me that. He was an entrepreneur that never gave up. It taught me that that's just natural. You just you try something. Most people are not; they don't have that entrepreneurial spirit. They want a job. They want security. But the reality for me is a job never secure because you can be fired. Your business can go down, but no one can ever fire me now. You know something really interesting that I noticed. I
0: talk to a lot of women. I am so passionate about uh, us women teaching each other to be strong and great wives and. Yeah and all of that um, sure. have an impact on the business that you're doing. And here's what's so interesting. I talk to women who have abundant thinking like you, and I talk to a lot of women who just don't, right? And I'm trying to help them with that. And here's the same thing. An abundant-minded woman looks back on her past, because everybody has stuff in their past. We all have crappy things in our past, right, of course. An abundant woman looks back on her past and sees all the things she's learned and yeah. all of the great examples. And uh, the other women look back on their past and go, well, if that didn't happen to me, if that wouldn't have been part of my life, maybe things would
1: be different. Totally different. Totally different. stay there. They stay at that level. Mm -hmm. And I go, you know, it's all evolution. My grandparents beat their kids and, you know, and we all evolved. You know, my grandparents were not educated and we all evolved. And you want to do better than your parents. You want to grow that mindset. They weren't exposed to what we were exposed to. Um, And I'm trying to help even my parents get more, you know, broaden their negative thinking, you know, so, um, so it depends on what your tribe taught you, right? If you come from lack and, you know, their grandparents were telling about the wars and how they had to hoard food and dig holes and live in the ground. So the soldiers didn't get them. And then that's what those kids are taught is fear. And they're giving us fear. And then we're, that's what our tribe teaches us. And then we go on and teach our kids. Well, you have to break free from that at some point and teach your child, something else. I hope my son is way more evolved than I can ever be. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's
0: talk about marriage. Cause I just got, I, we haven't talked about this at all. You and I, but okay. I can tell that you're passionate about it. Love, Love it. it. Your husband, tell me a little bit about what's going on in your relationship.
1: Um. So, so we've been together since we 16. So we always laugh and say, we, we really grew up more than half our lives together. When you were 16? 16. Yeah. So I'm 41. Nice. Yeah, so he was my first everything. That's um, awesome. For him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I, you know, what can I say? I mean, we're just, we're partners, we're teammates. Do we fight? Yeah, I mean, we have our fights, but not often. I mean, some people fight all the time. Um, if we fight, it's really about, you know, should we move from this house now? I don't want to move again. We've just moved two years ago because I love moving. Um, so <laughs> the, the more life decision fights than bickering. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, I always say that my relationship with him is most important because my son joined our relationship. And so we have to show him how to partner up with someone, cohabitate with someone. And we have to be the strongest union. And then, you know, he's a separate he's going to grow up and and take what we taught him and expect that from his mate. So um, we treat each other with respect. We don't call each other, you know, names, you know, I think some couples do that to be cute and we just don't, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we respect each other in a way where, um, we, we carve out time for each other. Um, you know, I always laugh and say uh, every man's human need is physical touch. And I think a lot of women miss the boat because we probably could go months without it, you know? <laughs> without it. You Not, know? This <laughs> Not this girl. Yeah. This girl. I mean, so it's like, you have to put that on the schedule, you know? <laughs> and I've always taken a toll from all my friends. I'm like, once a week is got to be the minimum. So I think, you know, when husbands aren't getting the physical, because that's how they operate, right? So they're physical human beings, we're emotional. So I want him to clean the house or cook dinner. And I go, oh, that's so awesome and romantic. And he would rather do something physical to show that I love him. And so mm-hmm. when we don't show physical... Touch to our husbands; they don't think we love them or care about them. Another thing is putting them up on a pedestal. You know, he yeah, puts me on a that. pedestal. I put him on a pedestal, right? Mm-hmm. And thank him for a lot of things. So I try to focus on the good. And here's one great example: um, living with someone that's not like you. There's a lot of battles, right? So I'm a neat freak, and he's not. So I had a mindset shift where I thought one day I have friends that are slobs they're messy right and so if my husband married a messy woman they would never talk about the house being messy but because i'm a neat freak i'm gonna harp on him about how he should be living his life right so i was like that's not fair to him because he's not me and so now we just always know that in our homes whenever we buy a new home he gets to have the side that i don't get to see when i walk in the room and i don't care what that side looks like anymore that's his, (laughs) right (laughs) <laughs> so Thinker about things that are not important.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so. We always say we always say, um, first of all, I want to go back to something. Um, and you and I have never spoken about this, but it's biblical that the husband and wife are the the one, right? Uh, yeah. Kids are below parents. Yeah. And yeah. you have one child, you've been with your husband forever. I I'm on my second marriage before Christ, and he he's on a second marriage with me before Christ. So we have his, mine, ours, and theirs, right? Right. Yeah. Two kids from his first marriage, one from mine. We have one together who's 15 and is delightful. And then we adopted two. So we have the broadest range possible of situations. And I think one of the things that helps us through, and believe me, we're not perfect at all,
1: but um,
0: is he and I are best friends. I have never had one night away from him since we started together in 2001 or one day we go on five or six dates a week and all of our kids know they do not come before us in anything, right? You know what, what's proven is they all have a sense of security because of it. They know mom and dad are great.
1: Yes. And they want that. They want you to be that way, you know, and um, we always, show affection to each other. We kiss mm-hmm. each other. We sit on each other's lap. You know, it's you want to show your kids that and mimic that it's okay to be affectionate and, and a loving family. So yeah, so that was never an issue for us. Um I always put him before my child I mean I love them both differently. And one day my child is gonna go off That's right. married and have his own family that he puts first before us. Right. <laughs> I got to be ready for that. <laughs> Good luck for that lady. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. What
0: wise counsel. I, I, One of my favorite things in life is to talk to another woman who cherishes her husband like I cherish mine. That yeah. is, that's so fantastic. And one of my goals in life, I've told so many women about you need to date your husband. You need yeah. to put your purse. That needs to be your priority under God. You know, God's above that. Kids are below it and everything else can yeah. fall where it, where it may. But you got to. And then we always say. There are two people in that relationship. It's you and him. And you get to choose whether it's amazing and blissful and wonderful or if it sucks and you're miserable. You get to choose.
1: And and I promise every single person, if they wake up every morning and they look at their spouse, husband or wife, and they focus, and every time they look at them, they think of one positive thing to say. Mm-hmm. One positive thing they love about their spouse. We always focus on the negative thing. Oh, you're such a slob. Or you're so messy. Or you're so loud and I hate that. What do you like about them? So if you both, both spouses focus on what do I love about my spouse? Even if it's one thing, because I have a lot of friends that are in bad places if they're, they're, you know, relationships. And it's even hard to be around those friends because it doesn't feel good, but they focus on so many negatives. It's like, what are the positives? Because when I love those two human beings as friends, I only see the positives in them. I'm yeah. not going to them, but I see so much positive and they both focus on the negative. So I don't know. I think that would change relationships if we just Absolutely. Really- you guys, if you have not seen that movie, The War Room. Have you seen that movie, The War Room?
0: No, look it up. It is fantastic for relationships because any relationship. If the people are willing, can turn around and be amazing. Let's see what I- comments we have really quick because I've been totally ignoring everybody. OK, let's see.
1: Yeah. And then, I, I mean, I just died thinking of going out and meeting someone else They're Everyone's going to have just different set of baggage. You know, it's it's um, it's hard out there. The dating. world. <clears throat> it is. It is really hard. So,
0: OK, so we've talked about work and we've talked about kids and we've talked about passion and we've talked about marriage. And um, now we have to talk about something we have really different from each other.
1: Okay, <laughs> what is it? You like golf. <laughs> I would rather take school. Golf. And got my eyes out <laughs> check golf. What was check golf? No. God, oh, no God. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. You know, the first um, for the first, however many years of our relationship when Kevin picked up golf, I hated it. In fact, I was like, God, it's four hours. You know, I'm stuck here at home with the baby and you're out there gallivanting around right. town for four hours. It's a long day for them. Right. A long, and I never understood it. And he finally bought me a set of clubs in 2009 as a Christmas gift. And I was like, woohoo. So, but I went out and I think it was my competitive nature. I was so distraught that I could not swing and hit the ball like him. And then that kept my competitive juices flowing. And I hired a a golf coach, a swing coach. Of course you did. (laughs) Of course I did, right? Um, Because I believe everyone should have a coach at every point of their life uh, or have one at some point in their life. And so when I really hit the ball the first time, like beautifully, it will keep you coming back to get to go find that swing again. And then I realized that I'm peacefully outside for three or four hours without my phone, without the noise, just me and nature. And it's a game against myself. It's not, you know, a competitive game against someone else. It was almost therapeutic. And then I, I had to. I remember the day I had to apologize to my husband. I'm like, all those years I bitched and moaned about, you know, golf. I, I'm sorry, I take it back. And then I became the golf fanatic. <laughs> that's 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 an awesome story.
0: I feel the same way about working out, which people think I'm crazy about. I have to have that.
1: Yeah. Have have that time and that that outlet. Yeah. See, and I don't feel that same way about working out. I hate it. I do it a couple of days a week, but I'm not a fanatic. Don't no. Like no. <laughs> so,
0: Chelsea is listening and she wants to know, what does your husband do? Does he do uh-huh.
1: real estate too? So I, he used to be um, in car sales and uh, was a manager at car dealerships in Michigan. And so when we moved here, he had worked so many hours, 60 hours a week. He never saw our son. Um, then we decided that we wanted one person to always be available for Michael. And so we're both in real estate and now we're both available for Michael. So That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I would have it no other way. There is no
0: possible way that Chuck and I could have the success or the joy that we have if we didn't work together in everything that we yeah. do.
1: Yeah. And we, you know, when we first moved here, he was my assistant. That doesn't work. <laughs> so that's one thing. Very quickly, I got myself an assistant because to boss your husband around, you know, you're not trying to be like, hey, did you, did you send those emails? Hey, did you call that lady back? It almost sounds like you're barking at them when you're not. You're like, this is how I would ask my assistant. So, but it's, that part was different. So we completely severed that where he did operations and I did the front facing, you know, listing appointment, buyer appointments and then an assistant as we grew and we've always kept that separate. So I don't report to him and he doesn't report to me. Well, yeah, I cannot imagine ever. You guys,
0: could you imagine me going, Hey Chuck, could you uh, make sure that you got this? (laughs) And
1: turning it off at home, it's hard, because you know, I have more of a passion for real estate than he does. This was the business he was dragged into. He does not like real estate. So real estate is the vehicle for us to have, you know money, of course, and, and that's our, our business, but it's not his passion. So I have to really learn to turn it off when we get home.
0: Yeah. What's interesting is what Chuck and I discovered is it's not real estate that we're passionate about, although that's what we're doing and what we we love. What we're passionate about is building. We love building things. We love yeah. we love uh, coaching people to success. We love um, having a challenge and a problem and c- overcoming it and fixing it. We yeah. like doing things differently than other people. So yeah. you, you can have a career that maybe it in, in, in and of itself isn't the thing, but you can apply all the things that you're passionate and talented in to that career and be really happy.
1: Yes. And that's the same thing for me. I get bored. So I think that's why I was, you know, we were at Remax for a long, long time and then we moved to Keller to grow the team. And I think for me, you know, moving over to EXP now, um, it was kind of the challenge. It's like, could I get people under me, my organization, my, my team, could I get them to build something for themselves that they'll thank me for one day? And yeah, that's cool. Cool. It's happening. So it's kind that's of cool. That drives me as well.
0: It does. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So we're going to leave it off with if you had to give the ladies some advice, whether it be personal or work related, I think I already know what you might say. But what would be your biggest piece of advice to these ladies?
1: Um, you know, they're all in real estate. I think real estate is is so up and down in emotion, right? We, mm-hmm. we have to be so strong for our sellers. And it's you know, it's, it's never a sure thing when you're dealing with, um, I guess, the, the inconsistencies that real estate brings. So I would say to them, you know, really try to make it a business. Focus on growing the business in the morning. That is, That should be two to three hours a day of growing the business, making some outbound calls so you know exactly what's coming in. I know if I make 15 contacts, I get a listing. I just know that. So, so I love knowing that I can generate and I don't have to tolerate. I don't have to take customers on that I don't like. I just go, no, nah, it's not a good fit. So I don't have commission breath anymore. Um, when you generate, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because I don't need the listing. So I don't have to deal with rotten people because there are some rotten people out there. So I think if you really treat it as a business. And, and do the hard work. You know, it should you should have a passion for it and you should always be studying it, watching podcasts, learning and growing your skills, um, especially if you're a natural. If you're a natural, you can dominate. Um, if you're not a natural, if you're an analytical and you're really reserved and low on emotion and kind of um, insecure and you don't like people that much, but you're a great agent, um, take acting classes, make yourself uncomfortable, be versatile. Because I think if you're just only... You know one personality style you're only going to get those people that are attracted to you but if you're versatile then you'll have a plethora of people that might want to work with you so uh, that's good advice and somebody wants to know what
0: stephanie mainville wants to know hi Steph. um what is your number one lead generating
1: source um number one source for us is expired for sale by owners just listed just sold um, so that that and that's free um, basically other than a dialer it's the cheapest lead you can get So right now I know people were really excited. I I did a little script for my um, my team and it just goes like this. I'll read it because I think people are like, what do we say during these times? Um, So I just call. and I say, hey, it's Tina. Call. I'm a local real estate advisor. I'm just trying to keep myself sane during the quarantine and I'm just reaching out to check on neighbors and friends. How are you guys doing through all of this? And they usually say um either who are you again (laughs) or they'll say oh wow yeah we're doing fine well that's great to hear there's so much happening in our world right now it's just so different every day and i'm just wondering if you had any real estate related questions and at that point it opens up the conversation and they might say well how's the market you know and then you kind of give them your spiel on the market so just just reach out to people, build your database. You don't have to go show houses right now. But if you have a pipeline and you have a buyer that is ready to go out, but you're not, refer that out. Make 25% while you're sitting at home. Make 35%. You can, you can refer out at 35% right now. So, so keep doing something versus just sitting at home, watching the news in fear. Move the needle forward and think of creative ways to keep your pipeline growing.
0: Absolutely, I think the the I I don't know who said that. Maybe you said this was um, if you were making um, t- ten calls before, you need to ma- be making thirty calls now. You know, yeah. you need to be upping your prospecting efforts, not sitting yeah. Home paralyzed. Yeah, if you
1: were making five calls a day or five contacts a day you need to be making three, four times that because Absolutely. lower amount of sellers, lower amount of buyers and lower amount of agents. So it's kind of an even playing field right now. And if you're not doing the work that it's gonna take, there's someone else out there doing the work like me. I, you know, I made three appointments this morning. So I'm still moving the needle forward when this market shakes out a little bit, I'm gonna have so many people, I might need That's to hire more right. agents. That's right, and
0: there's the biggest mistake people, real estate agents are making right now. They are saying to themselves, Nobody's buying, nobody's selling. There's nothing to do. I'm just going to wait till this is over. Then I'm going to get back on the phone or do whatever. Now, right now, right now is the very, very best time in these circumstances to be a real person, reaching out to people, being good listener, filling the need of people who are feeling lonely or scared and building your pipeline. It's having massive action right now, not paralyzed fear.
1: Yes, exactly. Because this could happen again. I mean, we could have another... You know, and I told my, my team, I said, we have to be, um, you know, cautious of germs and things like that. But the reality is we can't live our lives in fear forever. We can't walk around with masks for the next year and a half because we might catch another virus. Um, so I think that, you know, we really just have to push ourselves forward mentally and keep doing our job, keep some normalcy in that daily activity. Well, thank you very much. You are one of the people who
0: can help keep... Uh, encouragement alive, help keep spirits up, the mindset right. And I have enjoyed every minute of our call today. And I know our listeners have too. So thank you for your time, Tina.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. I'll talk to you again. Bye.